This podcast is sponsored by Proactive Network Consulting, where aligning technology with your business vision is their specialty. They provide technology solutions and computer services here in the Bay Area for over 25 years, and they are a Latino-owned family business. Go to ProactiveWay.com today to learn more. Gracias. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom, where wisdom comes from everywhere. This is a podcast about generational wisdom shared to help build a bridge for future generations and to build stronger communities through education, technology, and health. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Welcome everybody to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. This is a special collaboration podcast with Proactive Network Consulting and Principal Co-Founder Michelle Londoño. Today we're going to learn all about her journey from Colombia and being a Latino family-owned IT services business here in the Bay Area for over 25 years. She is a community organizer as a public health nurse, and she was also a Girl Scout troop leader, and she is a community organizer. Experienced in the nursing process, where she went to school at UCSF College of Nursing here in San Francisco, Michelle digs deeper and gets into the root of the client's needs. So as we talk to her, we'll learn about how she enjoys growing internal and external relationships and networks here in the Bay Area, where she continues to guide Proactive's customer experience and give tech the personal touch that customers want today. So welcome everybody to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Welcome to Latinas from the Block to the Boardroom. Michelle Londoño. She is one of the co-founders of Proactive Network Consulting located here in the Bay Area. It's a small business technology services organization that provides small business technology managed services for small businesses. So I'm very excited to have her here with us today. And we're going to talk about her journey as a family business with her husband and how they started this business 25 years ago. But first, we're going to jump into her journey and let her explain to us how she's a first gen Colombiana and how she met her husband. But her journey started way before then. So, Michelle, I'm just going to let you take it from here. And please tell us about your journey or your parents' journey from Colombia. Great. Thank you. So this is perfect. I have this, well, we could call it barreo, but it's actually more of a shawl behind it. So the history is that it was one of my grandmothers and my grandmother did a great job collecting them. And we always, you know, it was one of her favorite things. So we always were gifting her different shawls. So when she passed away a few years ago, and by the way, obviously she was the matriarch of our family, the mother of my mother, we all sat in her bedroom after the services and saying goodbye. And we went through all the shawls. And we kept going through all the shawls and then we all chose different ones that meant for whatever, or we just felt close to them. So we took them home. So it's obviously part of my bedroom and we have them in different places. We took just different minimal, but those were one important thing because that was, that was Abuelita, Abuelita Lilian. So, and, and that is the journey. That is the journey that my parents came to the U.S. She came with her young children or young adults, actually, at that point, 
and she came to start a life again in the U.S. And, and she did. She did all kinds of things from cleaning homes to whatever it took to scrape pennies and build built her own little fortune that eventually all those pennies she collected, she put into buying a couple houses. Yeah. And those houses she converted into boarding houses. And that was her next entrepreneur. So we de- definitely come from a line of, you know, make it, figure it out, and we will start some kind of business. So she had, at least that I remember, two boarding houses were her business. She cooked for them, fed them. They mostly were young immigrant men who were coming also to start their life in this country and start over. So she started that. And then both my parents are actually from Colombia as well. They met in New York City, where I was born. So that's that's like so many Colombians, but it's so true. New York gives you back so much. And it's just like what you see in the movies. It's like, wow, this is another world. And this is where our life begins again. But mostly, though, like many Colombians, we moved to Florida at some point, And I finished growing up in Florida, other than um, a year here in Colombia and a year there in Mexico, a couple other little side trips in my youth. And then met my fabulous husband in the South. <laughs> Lawrence Flores, who's also mm-hmm. the co-founder as well. My yeah. co-founder, um, my partner in crime, and I would say my partner and partner, which is fantastic. We both ended up in the South for different parts of our journey. But that's also where he started his tech beginning. His first job out of college was in a small mill. It's called Elverton Mills. And they produced awnings and all these things. And they needed a tech person, which he knew minimal, but he was a really, really fast learner. (laughs) And that's where he started and learned all his initial networking, you know, skills. But his background, Mm -hmm. obviously, is um, in finance. You can't see the future without knowing where you want to go, right? And you have to have a foundation built on that. So, and that's something we're going to talk about a little bit more in future podcasts here, because that is a really big topic about how to stay sustainable and how you are able to grow your business. But it's really important and it's not that hard. It really is not that hard, you know. Plus and minus people, addition and yeah. subtraction. Very, very easy, easy. Or, or not. I mean, it's intimidating. It's intimidating <laughs> to most people, for sure, the numbers. So, Michelle, I want to go back to the college days because that's mm-hmm. where you met your husband. That's what you talked about before earlier when we had our discussion. And you had said you met him there. But what was your profession in STEM specifically? So, um, I did enter and started my undergrad there. So it was an adventure because I was all about learning something new. And for me, it was completely a new culture. I did not know the South. It's its own little world. Um, And it was fantastic. Um, It was a lot of learning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A lot of learning about Mm -hmm. a new culture. Yeah, from New York. York to Florida. Yes, it was was amazing, though, still. And that's where I started my nursing career, but decided that the small town life was not quite me and decided to transfer to University of San Francisco. But why did you choose nursing? And, and then why did you pivot to the small business with your husband? Because that's what's really fascinating to me, right? Just given your journey as you had entrepreneurism as a, a model from your grandmother, probably your parents, but you just saw an opportunity. So what was the pivot? Like you started in the medical field and then you went to small business uh, technology services. I definitely found um, my niche in nursing because it was definitely about 
caring for other people, yet also love the world of science. So what a perfect blend to give back as well to all the people I served. Um, and that was continued then when I found ex more specifically my niche in nursing, which was public health nursing. Um, and public health nursing is even more unique branch of nursing. You don't just provide care, you actually work with your clients to help them find a better solution for whatever they're facing, help them improve their lives. So we work together and I loved, absolutely loved that part. We were always problem solving together. And that's very different than other branches of nursing. You know, I'm, I was never passing out medications. I, I was doing maybe some assessments, physical assessments and that kind of stuff, but mostly environment assessments, life assessments. And we were setting goals together for one year, two years, three years, five years, like where are we going? Those kind of skills are the ones that I knew I had and I applied them other parts of my life as well, including all my volunteer work that I did throughout the years. So at one point, I only I left the profession to raise my children. So that I was called that my second profession, my second career, because I took some time off, quite some time to dedicate specifically to them. And then it was a joint decision with my partner, husband. At one point, he asked me, can you come support me and help me in this one area? And so in and out throughout the years, I would do different tasks or small projects um, for the business. So I had been involved some. Then at one point, I finally pivoted. The kids were older, all in school. And I said, okay, I can invest more time. You need my support. And I, I have all these skills. I have these skills that I can definitely apply. Again, as I start looking more and more at them and reflecting, I'm like, I am really strong, actually, at problem solving and listening and listening to what is actually needed. So that's definitely not me. I wanted to be a different person, no matter what the industry. So technology is an industry, but I, I was the same person in the health industry versus the technology industry. I just brought me over and applied my skills there. Mm -hmm. That's one of the conversations we have is the transferable skills. So if you're looking to pivot from a job into tech or vice versa, it's like, what skills do you have that are applicable that can go transfer, you know, how do you transfer those skills over into the new arena that you'd like to work in or starting right. your own business, right? So that's one of the things that, um, you know, starting a business is a lot of people do start one when they transition or they're ready to say, hey, I've been doing this side hustle for some time or I've really built a small business, you know, just helping people. How do I get into the game, right? So that brings me to your small business with Lawrence Proactive Network Consulting. You guys have been in business for 25 years, and that's pretty amazing. You survived two down financial downturns, which is pretty impressive. I was just looking at a stat the other day that there's, there is a shift for small businesses to have more managed services because they cannot help but to know more about technologies to be supported. So the number is jumping from $239 billion of where it's set at 2020. This is the small managed business services industry. It's expected to grow up to $287 billion by 2025. And that just shows you that there is a need for small managed businesses moving forward. But again, you know, your business has survived 
two downturns in the financial crises. And now also through the pandemic <laughs> where the business has actually grown. So let's talk about that. I mean, how have you been able to make the shifts in those three areas? Because a lot of businesses, what I was looking at as a stat, mm -hmm. they don't mm -hmm. make it. Oh, it's, it's very hard during so many downturns. Obviously having the skills, you know, with Lawrence's financial background and being able to predict as much as you can, you can always predict everything, obviously not a pandemic, what's about to come around the corner because things do go in waves and shifts. So that is one, having that knowledge. But the difference also with having a family business is that when times are tough, you can call in family to support you, you know? And if it's like, okay, just for a few months, which is hard to do to hire somebody for just a few months for the most part. You know, you can be like, come in here and do this, come in here and do that. And that's something that we've done all along the way. We've brought in Lawrence's brothers when they were young. And it was also to, you know, for a, a learning opportunity. We wanted to teach them this is how a small business, how a business runs, period. You know, take these skills because they are life skills for you to take with you and, and wherever you end up. So part of it's always wanting to support other family members as well in their journey, but at the same time come support us. So from brothers to nieces to our children, uh, who else has not been here? Cousins. <laughs> so we've definitely had quite a bit through. And that is the difference, right, with a family business. When you really need somebody, they will step in. And including myself, you know, when I was full-time as a, you know, the lead parent of the children, if things were needed, then I could shift in and jump in and support the business whenever that was for maybe a short period, maybe it was three months, maybe it was six months, whatever, but I could do that. So that's also the advantage. The small business has that added flexibility that you may not have somewhere else. And that's one of the reasons you start a small business or many do. And we definitely, Lawrence did, is for that flexibility. That is one of the main reasons. Yeah. So the financial background that uh, Lawrence has is pretty good. And Again, just knowing the numbers and how you forecast in a business is very important, or at least knowing the customers that you have and it, are they sustainable, right, to help support. It's an ecosystem. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you, Michelle, in this, when you were in the downturn, and yes, a lot of Latinos pull in their family members because that's what we do. <laughs> Because we have an extended family, our theos, our cousins, our theas, you know, they help in when you ask. So what was it, though, that in the downturn, like, where was it that you were able to, was it partnerships with other businesses that you, like, how did you relate to your customers? Because I know you have a few of them that have been with you through this whole time. So talk to me about the partnerships that you've had over the 25 years that have helped you right. sustained each so other. So we do have amazing clients that have definitely been partnered with us 20 plus years, some um, been there the whole ride. And the main one is trust because they trust us. They rely on us. They trust our judgment. They trust our competence. And they trust that we're authentic and we're going to tell them when something's really bad about to happen or things are really good. And you know what? Things are great. You don't need to do anything because it's not always about making people or telling them you have to make changes, but always being able to be honest with them saying, you know what, actually you're running your business. Perfect. Everything is great. You actually need no changes. And that is part of that 
trust factor. They know that we're going to be honest and we're not trying to sell them extra fluff when it's not needed. So yeah, building that and, um, and obviously, you know, liking us personally is true. <laughs> that that helps. <laughs> Wait, do you throw good yeah. parties? <laughs> I, I do like parties. I do like food. Imagine that. A Latino not liking food. <laughs> right. So that's part of it. It's that your the relationships you build through small business. And here in the Bay Area, there's a lot of small business. There's a lot of technology companies. I mean, give me a break. It's Silicon Valley. But that's part of it is that you can get overwhelmed with all the technology solutions, especially for a small business. So how do you so walk me through like when you talk to a small business, how do you guide them through like this is good or this isn't going to like you were just saying and the trust factor, like how does that work for many clients? Because you know, some clients want to stay on their old platforms and it may not be working for them and they want you to fix it. But at the end of the day, you might have to tell them, hey, you know, your business is growing or times are changing. How do you know this is what we suggest for the business? How do you approach that? So we, conversation? we make um, a point to have regular meetings, obviously, with their clients. And I would say um, they've definitely mm-hmm. pivoted to Zoom in the past couple of years, which almost made it easier, at least presenting. Give them options always, option A and B, because we're not trying to sell them one product. We're not salespeople, as in other people's products. There's so many products out there. Being very honest, you probably have too much technology, and we want to support you in actually trying to pare it down. And you don't realize you're paying for all these other mm-hmm. platforms because maybe one employee's using this and the other one's using another one. All these extra, you know, unnecessary costs. So when they see that we yeah. actually want to dive deep and want to really look at what's necessary and what's not necessary, that continues to build that trust. We do let them take and try to understand where they are in their journey. If it's very early on, they're probably not ready for any major change. Like you said, maybe they're on a terrible platform or terrible software and it's not working for them and we can see that. But if they're in the beginning of the journey and decision making, then We have to be patient and we know that may take six months, that may take a year of conversations. And when they're ready, we're like, okay, now that you're ready, we're here. Where, where do you want to proceed? What's the next step? And, and then help them make that longer term vision. Maybe you need this change for one year. And then at five years, you're going to need this next change, but letting them see what that journey can be. And it doesn't all have to happen at once from cost and just company cultural change. That's pretty difficult, I know, for a lot of clients. And now we're going to take a quick break. Proactive Network Consulting is a locally rooted San Francisco IT services consulting company. They are Microsoft certified, specializing in MS365, migration, support services, 90-minute response with exceptional local engineers. That means somebody's on the end of the phone when you call. (laughs) They're Latino-owned, celebrating their 25th year anniversary and would like to share a special promotion with you. If you need the security status of your network checked, there is a 15% discount on Proactive Network's security assessment. Use the link for your promotional code, which will be located in the show notes. And also, you can go to proactiveway.com slash services to sign up for the promo code. 
Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and YouTube. Gracias. So one of the things that I have, you know, researched in prior podcasts, and also just through, you know, business trends, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, is that, you know, college grads or people that are getting uh, certified or want to get certified for tech support, you don't need to go to an elite college. Or if you do and you want to leverage those skills right out of the gate, a small business is really a way to kind of get your feet wet and also to contribute to the growth and strategy of a small business sometimes, right? So in those discussions that we've had in the past, how do you support that type of conversation and how how does it support community, right, through your business? Because I think you do try to go down that avenue to support new college grads or you want to help people that are getting certified, right, out of the gate to come in and work for you. Yes, correct? we want to see definitely people start in, in their career um, and tell, help them grow. If they, that's where they want to go, they want to grow and truly learn this IT field because there's so much areas of technology. This is where they want to be. Then we are definitely there to support them on that journey. So it comes more just from a desire. We see that desire, then absolutely. And it's such a different environment for them, right? All those changes, they get to see that immediately versus while they're in a corporation, they don't get to see those effects. So a lot of them get, are very excited about that. You know, like right away they get feedback. Yeah, no, I think it's a great opportunity. And as I said before, $287 billion growing industry is no lie. And that is a, I would say, a pretty secure job market that, uh, you know, is going to be looking for people. So if you're out there, that's probably a good area to get started in as a small technology um, services company. So in one of the, the questions that we've always ask our, you know, our guests here is supporting community, how you're involved in the community, how you give back to the community. And I know you're very active in that field. So can you share with us like some of those activities and what, how the business is associated to that? I mean, reflecting back on me, definitely volunteerism has always been part of who I am. And I always believe you need to give back in any way. Philanthropy, which is philanthropy means giving back, not just monetarily, but how do you give back in your time? And and the same thing goes for us as a business. Sometimes it may be monetarily a donation. Other times it's actually our individual times. Youth development, we've done a good extensive amount just because we obviously enjoy it. Um, me from Girl Scouts, that's one thing, um, by the way, 11 years a Girl Scout leader, troop leader. <laughs> well, we're going to have to talk a little bit about that. And then, um, and then Lawrence's um, involvement is um, in Mission Dev is great because it's a, a specifically technology youth development group here in San Francisco. So that's very impactful and very direct to what we provide. And then other areas are obviously supporting our business within the city. And I do that as um, I am ambassador for the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce and want to make sure we support all our small businesses. So always working on that, how I can support them, um, support each other, make sure our community is strong from downtown is one very much recently. And then other organizations from my 
alma mater <laughs> here in San Francisco. I am, I am a current board member there as well. So that's where I'm doing currently, but it's, it's historical. Yeah, we've always been involved one way or another. And I'm looking at to do a couple more things. Yeah. So I think the message there is you can never stop growing your network, right? As a community member or actually as a small business, because that's where you tend to find some of your best clients, right? When you're moving into those circles. And I think that's really important to understand that relationships in those communities are really worthwhile. And one of the things that I know in this downturn economy of the pandemic, you guys have really pivoted to support businesses with Zoom. You've done a lot in that area, but what has been the biggest challenge and the hardest part for the business and the family? Like, I mean, I know there's been a little downfall for a lot of people, but what's been the hardest thing for you, especially as a mom? Because I think, you know, a lot of women that listen to this podcast are mothers. They're also, you know, they're trying to navigate their careers. Some of them have had to stay home. Some of them have a small business. Again, the business has been around for 25 years. So as a woman in a business with children, right, during the pandemic, I mean, what what has been the challenge and then how did you overcome um, that? So the challenge was, I would say, actually knowing that it was we were entering a very un, unknown territory, the pandemic, how we were going to deal with it. And deciding as every time there's any crisis in a family is everybody jumps in. So I jumped in to start working more. We both worked more. Obviously, we were all working from home the first few months, longer hours because wanted to make sure all our clients were doing well. We were checking on everyone who's not doing well, are we doing well? It was like constantly touching all over the place, you know, including your family, extended family. And so it was a, checking on everybody's mental health, really, right? That's what those first few months and then checking on your kids' mental health and are they okay? So it was a lot to cover and to be on top of and a lot of worry and angst, which then does affecting you us personally, as women, as mothers. And then we have to, at one point, reflect back, are we okay? <laughs> Do you feel that your nursing skills came into play there and that helped? Or did you say- It never goes it away. Go away? Um, as I still have friends that are nurses and they remind me, you'll always be a nurse. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> Stop denying that. Um, it's always it's always gonna be part of me. It's always who I am. And yeah. Including the science side, because of course I was reading nonstop research papers, not just the news, like what actually is effective, what is useful, what is supportive, because none of us wanted to get sick. Um, and I tend to, anyways, run very holistically. And how can I holistically keep us all well through this? So it was a lot of managing also on that side. Yeah. So with that, Michelle, I think what I'm hearing with the business and the sustainability how you guys came together through family and your clients supporting each other, you know, that's a really strong foundation for a business. And that does garner a lot of trust in the external communities as well. So I'm going to end this here, Michelle, with what are the tools that you need as a small business owner going in? And as you grow, you know, when do you think it's mm -hmm. time to add managed support services? Okay. So, um, it would be great if all small business owners, before they started, 
looked at actually all the tools and did the different parts they need. I mean, they kind of know they need to go get that license from City Hall and kind of that's it. Sometimes that's where it stops. <laughs> but there's so many parts, obviously the financial part. And if you don't have the financial skills, then you get a really amazing bookkeeper. Make sure you get that for sure. Um, if you have the tech skills, great. Most don't. Then please go get some support in your technology. All those parts have to be in place for a small business. Um, technology is not an option anymore. It doesn't have to be huge. It can be still very simple and manageable. Um, and you don't have to spend a ton of money. But if you think about it ahead of time and plan it, you'll spend less money because you're not buying you know, the wrong software. You're not buying equipment you don't need. You're just buying what you need at the moment until you're ready to scale. Then you can decide, okay, now I can bump it up, whatever it is. Definitely talk into an IT provider before. It doesn't mean you have to go with them, but just like, where do I start? Instead of like, I just bought all this stuff. Now I don't know what to do with it. Stop working backwards. <laughs> just like any consultant or any coach, help you plan before and think about what it is, what size of business you want. Is it, you know, an under 10 business? This is maybe what you need, is it? And where you think you're projected to grow. So, you know, definitely take the support and use mm -hmm. the support. And I like that. Technology is, is not a, well, I don't think I need it. You have to have it. And we know there's a lot of SaaS and cloud applications out there. You and your husband have been through a lot of technology changes. I mean, I don't want to say how old we are on this podcast, but it's pretty I evident was a, if we know about the dot com boom <laughs> and the financial and the financial crisis. We're like, holy shit, world! So, <laughs> some of you out there weren't even born, probably. But right, what seeing the technology changes through these times. Has the business also had to shift with how you manage, you know, small businesses and their technology? Um, I mean, yeah. how did you make that pivot? So, right? There's probably been several pivots, but one that you would be the most obvious, or at least to us, <laughs> is servers. Servers were always in a server closet, in a physical location, a physical office. The advantages of that back in the days you bought your software, you owned your software, you owned your hardware, and at least you knew ready what your costs were a little better upfront, and you were done for a while. Versus now with the SaaS, you're paying monthly. So those costs can get a little bit crazier. Um, they're just extended is the difference. So, but it's just a different way to do business now, and it's a different way to run your business. Um, so now we're supporting our clients in the cloud and on location, because some actually have both, that still happens. <laughs> or, or, or they have, uh, you know, those big things, what are they called? Towers, computer towers, I'm just kidding. <laughs> servers, all those physical things, they're just stored somewhere else. And that can, that can still happen. And that is still an option. We still have a backup facility. And that's one reason either as a backup, or that's where you just want to store your, because you don't have a physical office anymore. And especially during the pandemic, more people gave up their physical office so, but they want to keep all their hardware. Um, we can still actually store their hardware now in a, in a data facility. So data facilities are still there and they still are important. Well, that's where all the SaaS applications run are in data facilities. So, you know, there's huge data centers out there. So if anybody wants to know what SaaS means, just, you know, it means software as a service. Um, so that's something to consider. And I really like that approach about small businesses and the services that you do provide. 
Okay, Michelle, so thank you for sharing that wonderful story with us and Proactive Network Consulting the last 25 years and how you've built uh, your family and community around the business values that you provide today to your customers. So where can we find you online and how can people, if they're interested in knowing about your services, you know, where do they go? How can they set up a call or maybe talk to you about how they can get a job? I mean, right now people are looking for, you know, new places to work. Um, So yes, absolutely. Please reach out. Um, You can reach out quite a number of ways, including through our social media, through LinkedIn and Facebook and soon to be Instagram. Um, Proactive Network Consultant, or directly my name, Michelle Londoño. Our website also has a contact form. You can reach us through there, which is www.proactiveway.com, or the old-fashioned way, which is pick up the phone and call us at 415-625-5500. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Gracias. Gracias. Gracias, Michelle, for that wonderful overview of your journey here to the Bay Area and your family-owned business with your husband, Proactive Network Consulting, the IT services that you've been providing here to the Bay Area for 25 years. If you'd like to learn more about their IT consulting services, go to proactiveway.com slash services where you can get your 15% discount on a security assessment of your technology solutions for your small business. Again, that's proactiveway.com. And you can follow Michelle and the company on LinkedIn. You can go to their Facebook page, Instagram, and YouTube. This podcast was produced and engineered by Robert Lopez of latinasb2b.com and sponsored in collaboration with 5E Leadership and Marketing with Teresa Gonzalez, co-founder and CEO. Gracias.